hey, hey. How's everybody doing? Want to give a um, want to give a warm shout out and a welcome to all of the campuses today. We have been seeing lots and lots of life change. We are coming off of a of a marriage conference here at the Durham campus this weekend, and it has just been spectacular. And I was just sitting there as, as I was experiencing worship with the movement right now. And, and by the way, I went online, and uh, the live streaming community is worshiping right with us right now. So I want to welcome them, the internet community, the Durham campus, Coffeehouse campus, Kenya campus, North Raleigh, Hillsboro, Sanford, Garner. Come on, welcome all of the campuses. But as I was sitting there experiencing that song, I won't give up on us. I just wanted to say two things. Number one, and they're doing it at all of the campuses, I want to just celebrate and honor and thank our incredible music ministry at this church. Come on. Come on. What, what they do, the way they've been blessing us each and every week with a special song, I just thought how grateful I am for them. And then secondly... Um, I thought about the wedding vow renewal that is coming up on February 26th. That is a week from today. And a week from today at all of our campuses at 3 p.m., we are having a very sacred ceremony. I've done this four times in my ministry to my recollection. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most powerful, sacred um, worship moments when a man and a woman turn and look into each other's eyes and we say our vows back to each other. And I've been writing them and tweaking them and I'm really, really excited about next weekend. And so I would just say to you, um, don't miss that. If God's doing a work in your marriage, don't miss that. And uh, I know right now the ladies are going, oh, that's so sweet. And the guys are going, dude, really? Yeah, man, really. I hope you'll join me as I look into my bride's eyes and say, I'm still in. I'd love to have you be a part of that. Hey, today, um, you are in for an incredible treat. And, I, and I'm just letting you know, I heard him all weekend long, and he is an anointed, gifted communicator. He is our guest speaker who, ha who has been here with us for the weekend. We've brought him in. Let me tell you a little bit about Ted Lowe. Ted Lowe is a speaker, a blogger, and the director of Married People, uh, the marriage division of the Rethink Group, uh, also known as Orange. Some of you have known of that, or pastors, you might be watching this online, the Orange Movement and the Orange Conference, a nonprofit organization devoted to influencing those who influence the next generation. After serving as the director of Married Life at North Point Community Church, a small little church in Alpharetta, Georgia, Great pace-setting church. Uh, Ted joined the Orange team to create married people. Not, not to create married people, <laughs> but to create the organization called Married People. Ted is a graduate of Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. He lives in Cumming, Georgia with his four favorite people, his wife Nancy and their three children. Ted recently released his book, Your Best Us. Say that with me, your best us. That's what we're asking God to do in this series. Um, marriage is easier than you think, and also the co-author of Married People, how your church can build marriages that last. 
You are in for a treat. He has been blessed by all of you who came from all of the campuses to the uh, Inspired Marriage Conference this weekend. And I've been telling him you will be blessed this morning as well, Ted, because there is no better uh, group of people to preach to than the New Hope family. Can I get an amen? amen. So do what you do. And uh, you've always been great at this. You've always welcomed people to this stage with enthusiasm and receptivity to what God wants to do in and through Ted into your lives and into your marriage. Come on, welcome Ted Lowe at all the campuses. Welcome him. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, my friend. Oh, goodness. Oh, thank you. Oh, I... This is what my wife and kids do every time I walk in the house. Here he comes again. They're like, I hear the garage door, get ready. Yeah, we know that's the truth, right? How many of you were at the marriage retreat this week? We just had fun, yeah. It's, it's so fun, you go to a lot of different churches and um, I wanna brag on your staff just a little bit. Um, when church is this excellent, it doesn't happen uh, by accident. There are tons of conversations, there are tons of prayers, there's tons of, um, they actually rehearsed um, like six times bringing all this out at exactly the right time without bumping into each other because they want this to be great. And so this staff is unbelievable. So I wanna thank all these guys right here. We just had a good time. So, um, of course I know when I'm doing that, they're like, keep it going, Sparky. All right, so we're talking about marriage and how to find the love again. So we looked at a few things, and that's what we're going to do the next um, uh, couple weeks. It's right here. This is love God first. Everybody say, love God first. There you go. Love God first. Fight fear. Fight fear. All right, we're coming back to you. Uh, have serious fun. And right now, it's a practice your promise. Practice your promise. And the thing, <coughs> excuse me, today, the one thing, thing that goes, that weaves through all of these things is this idea of we made some pretty big promises, right? Those of us who got married, we promised. And the thing that's relevant to all of us, whether you're married or not, is throughout all four of these is this idea of words and that words really, really matter. Um, when I first got married, I thought I knew uh, what the uh, answer to marriage was going to be. I thought I knew what it was going to be. It's very simple. We were going to have lots and lots of, <clears throat> I was going to say conversations. Uh, <laughs> but you guys are, your head's in the gutter, and it's pretty early for that. But, um, so yeah, I, I thought it was going to be sex. And then I realized if there was going to be any sex, I was going to have to get this whole words thing going. That's why to figure this out. Uh, uh, my mom passed away when I was 10, and I lived with my dad and my brother, and we were, we were kind of like bears with furniture. And we didn't really speak to each other. We just kind of grunted. And I realized really quickly my wife did not want to live with a bear nor to be talked to one. And so um, uh, I remember one morning I started to realize how important these, this whole words thing was. Um, we're living in a tiny little bedroom, one-bedroom apartment, and uh, uh, we had one mirror in the whole place. And she walked in and does that thing that she's been doing to mirrors uh, for 22 years, and I'm sure way before me, where she backs herself up to the mirror, and then she spins her head around, and then she looks, checks out the back of herself. I'm not sure I've ever seen the back of me. Uh, <clears throat> I've since learned that the, I call it the owl, and I've since learned that the owl 
has a question. A question that seems to be designed to get me killed. And the question was, do you think that these pants look too tight? Can you hear the trainer coming? Choo-choo. And I was young and stupid. And I did not listen to the still, small, sweet voice of Jesus when he whispered, why? <laughs> and I said these three words. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of was the wrong answer. And I tried to dig my way out of it, and I was like, oh, you know, they're, they're not really tight. They're, they're just full. <laughs> d d didn't work. Yeah, kind of. Led to a lot of tears. In fact, she almost cried at one point. It was, it was, it was bad. And after working with married couples for 15 years full-time, and being married 22 years, I started to learn that day what I know absolutely for certain today is it only takes a few words to take our relationships in a direction that we don't want to go. It's really kind of crazy. Some of you experienced that on the way over here, right? You're, just, you're going to go to the house of Jesus, and you're over here, and something gets brought up about lunch that somebody doesn't like, and the next thing is World War III, right? It just takes a few words. And then there's, and I couldn't believe it. Again, it's not just marriage. It's, it's with our relationships. It's, you know, this is a great one in marriage. Is that what you're wearing? No, honey, these are, these are my practice clothes. Yes, this is what I'm wearing. And then, you know, you could tell that when someone you love, especially a husband or wife is mad at you, you can smell it, and you can tell it, right? And you can sense it in the wind. Uh-oh, I've done something, and I don't have a clue what it is. And you're like, hey, what's wrong? You get this. Nothing. Octaves go up, head flips around, nothing. And you're like, uh-oh. And then we all know that nothing Follows up with nothing, I'm fine, which we all know is translates into something, you're an idiot. <laughs> right? Think about it for just a minute. Just a few words. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. And then we get this. How many moms do we have here? You know, moms, thank you for doing what you do. It's, you are serving people. You are so great. You are so loving. But in this way, it breaks my heart that the atomic bomb of marriage is you're just like your mom. Ooh. Somebody just flinched. Post-traumatic stress from that line. You don't have to hear, do that one too many times. It's like one of those invisible uh, you know, dog collars. You, know, you don't do it again. You're just like your mom. It's not good. Let me get this. Who's going to pick that up? I mean, people, some people are, you know, they, they don't see messes. You know, some people do see messes, right? You go, who's going to pick that up? 
The towel genie. <laughs> Sarcasm's always great, right? Yeah, and then there's those moments where your spouse asks you something. And you know the answer's right. Or your kids ask you something, and you give them the right answer, and you get this. Are you sure? Are you really sure? And then they stab you with a, I'm going to Google that. <laughs> Fantastic. You trust a search engine more than your soulmate. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right? And then there's those of us who are married and, you know, in the mood for love. And you're like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and we need to get, not tonight. Uh, not this week. Maybe next month. Mm, I'm thinking, what are you doing leap year? Right? Yeah, it only takes a few words. A few words to take our marriage in a direction that we do not want it to go. What's going on? How do we say the things we should and not say the things that we shouldn't? Because I try to make things very, very basic because I know you live in the real world. You know, we're, we're professional Christians, right? We get paid to be. I know you guys live in the real world. And I feel like what we talk about has to matter on your way out of here. It has to matter tomorrow. And so the basic thing is, <clears throat> how do we say the things we should and not say the things that we shouldn't? Because a lot of times we do the reverse, which doesn't make a lot of sense, because if I said to you, do you want to say things that bring life to those people around you, whether that's work, home, relationship, you would say what? Yes. yes. And I would say, well, would you get up in the morning, like, plotting how you're going to hurt people you love with your words? You'd say what? No. Then why is it so many of us, so many good people, we find ourselves not saying the things that we should, right? And, and we forget to say the things that we should, and we say the things that we shouldn't, and we're going, I can't believe I said that again. Why do we do that? And that's what I want us to unpack. Like, what does that mean? Now, I've read more marriage books than I have brain cells. I have studied all the techniques of communication, and then I landed on one verse. And this is what I love about the Bible, is it tells it like it is. It doesn't ever skirt the issue, but it's always followed with hope. And I landed on this one verse and I thought, That's, this is amazing. Because not only does it tell us what's going on, it tells us what to do about it. One verse, Proverbs 12, 18 says this. Careless words stab like a sword. <clears throat> Don't miss this. Careless words stab like a sword. Now, <clears throat> we all know right now that we are very sensitive to words, right? One sentence gets said, Social media blows up. And we go, oh, it's just, we're becoming so sensitive. No, no, we've always been so sensitive. This is an ancient, ancient passage. And it's saying to us that careless words have always <clears throat> stabbed like a sword. They've always mattered to us. They've always mattered. And we say these things that we didn't mean, that we didn't plot. And it's like a stabbing. Here's what we know. In this room, we know that whoever came up with a phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is to use the biblical term, a moron. <clears throat> <laughs> right? We just know. 
We just know that this is absolutely not true. Careless words stabbed like a sword. And let's pause on that a minute. Do you think God's trying to get a message to us? That words are so powerful. That's when it starts to make sense why it just takes so few. And then I thought about the word stabbing. And here's the thing that started to make sense. A stabbing is an event. It's an event. If any of you, God forbid, were to be stabbed, any of us were to be stabbed, we would remember it for the rest of our life. Why? Because that's an event. And we remember events, especially the hurtful ones. After my mom passed away when I was 10, I was staying with a relative. And he says, um, and I've made this mess, and he gets really frustrated with me. And he lets me know it, and I start to cry. And he looks at me, and he grabs me by the arms, and he goes, just because your mom died doesn't mean you can cry about every little thing. That was a stabbing. That was an event. And here's how I know. That's why this is so important. Is I don't remember where we went on vacation that year. I don't remember what I got for my birthday that year. I don't remember what little league team I was on. But I remember everything about that day where we were standing, the way he looked, the whole thing. Why? Because that was a stabbing. Guys, you may have an example like that in your own life. I don't know what your version of this is, but most of us will not escape this world without having something like this happen to us. Guys, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it was you're in a little league field and your coach said something about your athletic ability or lack thereof. And you remember that your buddies were standing around and you remember that it was devastating. Or maybe it's more recently, it's something at work your boss or someone said something about your performance and you remember two people were standing over to the side and it was like, bam. You're like, I worked so hard and that really hurt. Ladies, maybe you have an example of this. Maybe you're walking down the hall, a group of girls said something to you. I'm watching now, didn't say something to you. That's what's killing kids on social media. They look and their friends are somewhere. Why didn't I? Why didn't I get to go? are these comments, this constant hurt. We worked in youth ministry for 10 years and I was always blown away how, how girls could remember just to the letter what someone had said about their appearance. And we were talking to this one girl one night, Nancy, my wife and I, and she's telling us she's struggling. And she says the reason she's struggling is because she's so unattractive and overweight. And you look at this girl going, are you? What? And she tells this story of what her mom had said to her. Here's the thing. This stabbing was so transformational in her life. Her mom's words had trumped the reality of the mirror. Careless words stab like a sword. This is an event. But here's the great thing with Scripture. Here's the thing. God doesn't skirt around the issue. But the great news for us is there's a comma right here and not a period. Because we go, careless words stab like a sword. Ouch. See you next week. <laughs> but he doesn't do that. We get a comma here. Careless words stab like a sword. But wise words lead to healing. Think about God's economy on this. God always trips me out. Like I think your economy, God, is so different than everybody else's. Your ways are so much higher than ours. And I got to thinking... What is he going to use? What does God want to use to heal the stabbings from us and other people? If it was our words that stabbed, he wants to use our words to heal. What? But here's the deal. 
Here's why we end up not saying those things we shouldn't. And we don't say this as much. It's because of this. A stabbing is an event. Healing is a process. And process is slow. When we say something careless, we get big responses, right? We get an event-like response. You hurt me. You, we see that a lot. For couples, it starts arguments. It was an event when those words were careless. And we'll say things like, I, I was just kidding. Or I was, you know, my 17-year-old says, I was just saying. Oh, that you were just saying. We're good. <laughs> right? I was just tired. It, it doesn't, it's not emotionally satisfying whatsoever. And when we say the things that are healing, the right things that are healing, it's a process, and it's slow, and we don't get event-like response. Ladies, let me tell you a secret about your guy. When you say to him things that feel right to his soul, that are healing from those things that you've done or someone else has, has done, like you say, man, you're, you know, you're really great at your job. You don't get this big response like, oh, honey, I'm so wounded as a child, and you just healed my soul. Because then we're not cool anymore. Because so you say things that are healing and we go, but our insides are doing like this, <laughs> right? But it's the process, it's, it's slower. My wife told me I was the first person to ever say this, you're beautiful, which is absurd. She is beautiful. So for 22 years, I've been, you are so beautiful. And she'll go, thank you. I go, you're so beautiful. Thank you. And because I'll, I'll hear, I'll hear it getting ready in there, and I can hear you know, the blow dryer and all the other appliances and chemicals. <clears throat> and she walks out, and I'm like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "All you need is some '80s music and a fog machine, <laughs> right?" That's all you need, baby. She's beautiful without all that stuff, and I say it to her, and she goes. Thank you. And so one, what did I say to her? I said, I tell you you're beautiful a lot. I, I may need to not say it as much because I don't think it means anything to you. Should I stop saying it as much? And she goes, no, I love it. And I'm like, could you alert your face? <laughs> but it's a process. It's a process. And it's slow. And this is what we got to do. If careless words stab like a sword, we have to be slow. We have to learn how to slow this thing down. Every radio station in the country has a thing called a seven-second delay. That they have seven seconds to stop something offensive going out onto the airwaves. Wouldn't you like to have that installed in your body? <laughs> We'd all be rich, right? So we got to learn how to be Slow, because it's the carelessness, and it's gone, and we go, ooh, wish I could grab it back. We have to learn how to slow this thing. Have you ever, I always love it, like on news, when you see on the news, and someone's like out of the country, and they said, so tell me, how's it in Rio? Rio's great. We're having a great time here. I'm like, we need to talk via satellite with each other a little bit. When they say something to us, we go, and then we respond. I've got a friend named Dave, and that's what Dave does to the point of being awkward. How you doing, Dave? Well, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, yeah, what have you and Cheryl been up to lately? Oh, okay, you know, you're just like, what are you doing? 
And I told my wife and went, I think that Dave thinks before he speaks. <laughs> that could have been worth waking up this morning, people. We got to be slow. We got to be slow, but we, we got to be really slow during these times, during times of halt. Counselors say during times that we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Like there are times that this is when we're at our worst. When we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, this is when we get careless for a lot of us. This is when we are not our best. So when you're in the middle of those moments, just know that you could be more easily triggered during these times. And this is where you invite God into the process. You see, we forget to bring bring God into the process of marriage and relationships as we have him at asking the Holy Spirit going, hey, God, would you slow me down and would you help me not to be an idiot, right? Because it comes out when I, oh, we got to learn how to be slow. But here's the trick. Some of, you, some of you going, oh, I'm slow with my words. When I get mad, I don't say them anymore. That's <laughs> not what I'm talking about. That's what you call silent but deadly. That describes something else in this world too, right? <laughs> it's about the same thing. You gotta be slow, but you can't be silent. Some of the most hurtful words are the ones that were never said. I think of kids waiting, you know, with a report card, wanting something back because they're hardwired to want it. After a baseball game that they didn't do great at, not getting it back. We've got to be intentional to say those things that we should. And here's what I know. For some of you in here, that's easy. And for some of you in here, that's not so easy. I, my words, that's, that's what I do. I love words. Some of you, that's not what you do. My wife, she, she can't find her words a lot of times. She's an accountant. And so for her to find words, it's, it's more difficult. And I realize that in here, I'm asking a whole lot from some of you when I say to make sure that you're encouraging and loving each other. At the same time, we, the people around us, need it like water. We gotta be slow. Can't be silent. And we have to be smart. Because here's the thing. Wise words lead to healing, not flattery. This same book of the Bible says that flattery is evil. And we know when somebody's just buttering up. We know when they're not being authentic, right? We know when they're just saying, uh, you, you're not meaning that. It doesn't mean anything to us. It's got to be the right words. It's got to be wise words. It's got to be at the place where they're wounded. Now, I'm going I'm to show you something that changed my marriage. You see, what happens is when we touch someone's woundedness, they react in a way that does not match the situation. You bring up money to some people, and they explode. You bring up, you bring up something about someone's mom, and they get quiet for two days. And you're like... What is going on? Because that's where they're wounded. If you've ever been sunburned, you know when someone comes by you and brushes you there, that's where they're emotionally sunburned. And what they're doing for us is giving us information on where they're wounded. They are waving the flag. This is where I am hurt. You got to know where they're wounded. How do you know? We got to ask them. We got to ask them. We got we to gotta watch. And one of the places I feel like couples do this really well is when somebody, when I'm watching two couples right now going through, one of the spouses has cancer, 
And when you talk to the one that's not sick and they start telling you what's going on with the one that is, they sound like a doctor, don't they? They're talking about, you know, clinical trials and blood counts. I mean, they sound like a doctor. And I thought, you know what? They are doing everything they can to understand the wound because if they can understand the wound, they somehow, they won't feel this alone. And maybe I can be an advocate if a doctor misses something. If they know that I know, then somehow that's going to help. And it's the same thing with their woundedness. And just like we're patient with someone sick, and just like we're patient with someone that could not help the situation that they're in, it's the same thing with our words. We gotta be slow, but we can't be silent. And we gotta be smart. And let me say this, for those of you who are gonna be on the receiving end of a spouse or someone here that's trying to say words maybe for the first time in a long time, here's what I see happening a lot. I have been told this, that when someone makes that move toward the other one, the other one will say, uh, you're only doing that because he said so, because he told you to. Receive it. Doesn't mean if, that I told him to. It doesn't matter. They're making a move in your direction. Does that make sense? We've got to be slow. And it's not complicated. We've got to start saying things like this. Please. We, when couples especially are frustrated with each other, they even forget manners. Please. And it's just stopping. It's this. Thank you. Some of you, I don't care how much you're hating your marriage, some of us need to go back to this. And I mean the sincere thank you as they're walking out the door going, thank you for doing what you do. I know you don't love your job. I know it's very difficult. Thank you for providing for the camera. For the camera? Providing for the family. How <laughs> uh, you do it. <laughs> right? Thank you for providing. I don't know where it's come from. I've had a lot of words this weekend. <laughs> right? Some of us guys need to do, I would love it if we could do this collectively as a nation that at a certain point in time that every man would walk into the laundry room and then walk out and say, Mama, I want to thank you for putting 100,000 miles on that washing machine. You are the mama. <laughs> or whoever's washing in your house, just to go those things that we need to say thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. It doesn't, we talked about this whole weekend. Marriage is not, we've made it too complicated. We need this. Gratitude is a huge thing. And there's this. Men need to hear this. They want to hear they're attractive. They just don't want to hear it like women. We want to hear, you are hot. For the women, we want you to say to us, uh, uh, just your wife, um, you, you are hot. Because here's the great thing with guys. We don't have, even have to be hot, but if you tell us we're hot, we'll believe you. <laughs> Do you know the number one time that guys... Uh, are so fearful, the number one thing they're fearful about is losing their job. Studies show it doesn't matter what the economy's doing, it doesn't matter what their job, they just are kind of feeling it. So ladies, here's your homework. When you guys are leaving for the day, I want you to go up behind your husband and I want you to go, bam, you got this. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I want to see it out on the way out to the parking lot. <laughs> Boom, you got this. If you want to give it a little squeeze, that's cool too. <laughs> I did this at a women's retreat and it's this little church. I don't think they're going to have me back. Um, <laughs> but I saw the pastor's wife and she was all, you know, she's all buttoned up. And he's all, she goes, you got this. <laughs> Maybe she knows something about pastor that I don't. <laughs> you got this. 
Here's one that sets you free. Do you want me to fix this or fill this? Ladies, 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 what's your answer to this most of the time? Which makes no sense. Feel it. It's like, you know, it's like guys driving by, seeing you broken down on the side of the road and going, oh, that's really tough. <laughs> right? This saved our, like this. You just, guys, just ask her, what do you need from me right now? Right now, you don't need me words. You don't need me to solve. You want me to fix this or feel this? And then for those of you who are more sexually ready than the other, where you're that spouse, try everything. Those of you who are not quite there to say yes. Everybody shake your head, right? Because here, I know why this is difficult. We talked about this this weekend. It's because sexually men are more like microwaves, right? Sex, ding, ready. <laughs> and women are more like crackpots. <laughs> Takes you a little bit longer to warm up to the idea, right? And some of you ladies are going, hey, forget sex. Where'd I get one of those crackpots? <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. This is going to be worth the price of admission, and you got in here for free. Are you ready? If you, are, if you do have to say no to sex, you just say no for now, yes for fill in the blank. Some of you guys are going, I'm so glad we came to church. <laughs> Not no to you, no for now, yes for fill in the blank. And then how many of you are married to dreamers? You're married to a dreamer. Nobody? All your dreams are dead, people? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> well, some of us are married to crazy people. They come in and go, I've got this great idea. Let's turn the house into a convertible. <laughs> You're like, that's not going to work. The hydraulics would never be able to do it. Don't do that. Just say, wow. Because here's the thing with us creatives. Ideas are like squirrels. They jump from branch to branch. They don't ever land. We don't ever implement anything. Why are you getting all upset? <laughs> don't say, How? Just say, wow. And if they do implement anything, you're double wow. <laughs> See, it gets easier than you think. We say this with our kids. We say it since they were little. When do I love you? And we say this all the time. And when they were little, we would say, when do we love you? All the time. And it's been one of those things that, you know, when I do, do I love you when you mean? Yes. Do I love you when, you when you're not me? Yep. Do I love you when you're beat? Yep. When do I love you? All the time. And we're having conversations with teenagers, and we're starting off this thing. When do I love you? And they will roll their eyes and go, all the time. But it has been the basis, and it's just been one of those things that becomes so important. How many of you are parents? Right? Awesome. All right, guys, this is our job. You're a great mom because the two-year-old's not telling them. <laughs> Two-year-old's going, I, I got doo-doo. Right? <laughs> We got to tell them. Some of you have, you know, you have adult children that are moms for the first time. Tell them they're doing a great job because they're wondering. Because kids are psychotic. <laughs> Guys, we need to hear it too. You're a great dad. Tell him he's doing a great job. Nancy uh, walked in the other night after Chapman, my oldest one, and I had, a, had had a discussion. And she walks in and she goes, you're a great dad, and I don't like him either. <laughs> but it's just those moments, you know that we need to say, you're a great dad, and it just matters. And the number one time couples are fighting is when they reconnect at the end of the day. Because I think a lot of times they walk in, 
He said, oh, my day was so tough. And the response is not, tell me more. The response is not, I'm sorry. The response is not, let me help me understand is, you think your day was hard. You ought to see mine. And so there's conflict there. What if we made this great? When we get home, we're going to make this great. Here's some more homework for you. This week, when you guys reconnect at the end of the day, don't say any words. Just make out for 30 seconds. <laughs> Unless your children are watching and then make out for 60. <laughs> yeah. Scar them. Yeah. You know, and that's the, that's the thing about the crock, crock pot. You know, I'll text my wife during the week, and, you know, to turn on the crock pot. Just be careful you don't send things that could scar your children. May or may not have some experience with that. You know, people talk about marriage being very, very complicated. And there's just these moments that I've been doing this for a really long time. Going, no, we've made it too complicated. And our words, if we'll slow down and we'll be intentional to say those things. And then we receive those things. It's just huge our oldest son, and I'll close with this, had um, a car accident. And we get the phone call, and I show up, and it's this big scene with the police car and ambulance, and he's crying, and it's just, it is just the worst. And so I'm handling all this. There's property damage and all this. I'm so nervous about him. He'd only been driving for two weeks, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I knew to be scared. I just thought I was being paranoid. Now I am really scared. And, again, I'm trying to handle this, and I'm not feeling like I'm doing a great job. And I get this text. This says from Pug. That's what I call her is Pug. It really needs a till day. I just don't know how to make Siri do that. Uh, she says, thank you for being the rock through this. You may not feel it on the inside, but that is all that is showing on the outside. Muscle, pointing to muscle, muscle. <laughs> what was my big event like response? Thanks, babe. <laughs> Can I tell you, when people tell me that marriage is very complicated, I just point them to that. That is all I needed to turn into the rock that I needed to be. It's not complicated. That's your other homework. Text some great text this week. Tell them they're hot. Say, you got this. Whatever that is. Tell her she's beautiful. Whatever that is. We got to be slow. Can't be silent. We got to be smart. You know, you guys have been watching the story of a couple these last couple of weeks. And they have been so vulnerable. They have been so, so real. Uh, the Stankser family has been real enough to share what's going on with their marriage. And I wanted you to see the third part of this video. Because, and I want you to kind of watch how they move from words that were stabbing to words that were healing. I want you to watch this. I was tasked with getting Tiffany to sign within our separation agreement a part that released this other woman from ever being able to be sued by Tiffany. It took several weeks. At that point, I convinced Tiffany that the relationship had, had stopped. And um, I remember texting her in the UPS store, standing a foot and a half away from Tiffany, that it was all done. And I, I took my copy down there to her. The next day, I told Tiffany I had some stuff I had to do, whatever. And that next day, sitting on her couch, watching a movie, 
is when everything changed for me. For me to describe it, it was literally like scales came off my eyes. It was as if I recognized what reality really was for the first time. And I look around and I go to look at her and I actually have to, I couldn't like look at her because I was like recognizing and realizing really what I am and what I am doing. And I said to myself, I'm like, what am I doing here? And I got up and I walked out. Uh, I, li I literally ran actually once I got out the door, I ran, I ran to my truck like as if somebody was chasing me. Not her, but just something was chasing me. And I left, I left a lot of stuff there, and, and I, 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 I drove, I sped big time. Uh, but that was the turning point that was for it. you. That was it, I mean, I, 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 yeah, that was a big turning point. Cause only God. Only God. Only God. Absolutely, 100%. Can do, can do what you just described yeah. to me. Which I didn't even recognize it then, but I did acknowledge at, at that very instant that that it was not me.